take out your Bibles. We're continuing our series that we're going through on our Thursday night services in which we're going through the book of Psalms. And the series is titled Songs for Our Heart. And tonight we're going to Psalm 27. And it's, it's a perfect psalm, especially for the events that have transpired just this last day. Um, and so we are going to turn and ask God to give us his wisdom, his vision, his sight, his perspective as we continue tonight. Heavenly Father, we come before you. Lord, we turn to your word because everywhere else we turn has more questions than answers. And most of the time doesn't even have the right answers. And so we need your word, Father, for we know that your word is truth. Your word is life. Father, your word upholds us, sustains us, refreshes and refills us, Father. And so please speak to us from your word tonight. Speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we all know the tragedy stuck this week in Uvalde, Texas. And unfortunately, this side of heaven, it will not be the last time. In my life alone, I've seen multiple Category 5 hurricanes that have hit the coast of the United States. I've witnessed several terroristic attacks, of the most uh, prominent one being obviously 9-11 that happened on September 11th of 2001. I was in high school when, uh, when April 20th, 1999 came around, or was it 98? It was the Columbine shooting, the very first like horrific school shooting. There's been other school shootings, but that was the first one that was absolutely horrific and, and hit the news the, um, prior to the media being able to spread it around like wildfire. Um, it was mostly unknown, and that was the day that everybody's safety and security was shattered. Um, Growing up in, in, in El Paso, you know, we're no strangers to drive-by shootings, um, murders, kidnappings, uh, car accidents, sicknesses, abandonments. The list goes on and on and on. And whether it happens to us individually or on a larger scale, when those things hit, it can be very difficult and very hard to persevere in faith. I know many a people that will walk away from the faith with things like that because they say that it's God's not doing anything. Many of the Psalms and inscriptions, they give us insight to the circumstances surrounding um, why that Psalm was written. For example, Psalm number three, it was written by David and it says, when David fled Absalom, his son. Psalm 34 says, a Psalm of David, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech. And Psalm 51, penned by David, after Nathan the prophet came unto him after his sin with Bathsheba. Psalm 57, it's a Psalm of David when he fled Saul in the cave. Well, as we open up Psalm 27 tonight, it's simply titled, A Psalm of David. We know who wrote it. And we know David faced many difficulties in his life. 
We know that David had giants that he had to face down. We know that David was pursued by his own king who sought to kill him. We know that David went through many difficulties in his life, even squelching rebellions that happened from within his own household. We don't know the special circumstance from which this psalm was written, but that is why it's precisely fitting for tonight and for the circumstances of just what have transpired yesterday. We can apply it fairly widely because it doesn't have a specific application. You see, it speaks of trouble David faced because of enemies. The beauty of this psalm is that David praised and prayed in the midst of these circumstances because David had great confidence in the Lord. On April 21st, 1764, John Wesley wrote in his journal about a visit he had made. He said, today, I visited one who was ill in bed, and after having buried seven of her family in six months, had just heard that the eighth, her beloved husband, was cast away at sea. I asked, do you not fret those things? She said with a lovely smile upon her pale cheek, Oh no, how can I fret anything which is the will of God? Let him take all besides he's given me himself. I love and I praise him every moment. And trouble hits all. Trouble hits all. Tough circumstances come to all. What is it that makes one stay and another lose their faith? Confidence in God. Confidence in God gives us the power to withstand. And that's the title of the message tonight, Withstand. In this psalm, we will see how to develop that confidence in God so we can withstand likewise. Starting in verse one, it says, the Lord is my light and salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom should I dread? When evildoers came against me to devour my flesh, my foes and my enemies stumbled and fell. Though an army deploys against me, my heart will not be afraid. Though a war breaks out against me, I will still be confident. I have asked one thing from the Lord. It is what I desire, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gazing on the beauty of the Lord, and seeking him in his temple. For he will conceal me in his shelter in the day of adversity. He will hide me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. Then my head will be high above my enemies around me. I will offer sacrifices in his tent with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Lord, hear my voice when I call. Be gracious to me and answer me. My heart says this about you. Seek his face. Lord, I will seek your face. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not leave me or abandon me, God of my salvation. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord cares for me. Because of my adversaries, show me your way, Lord, and lead me on a level path. Do not give me over to the will of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing violence. I am certain that I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. 
Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart be courageous. Wait for the Lord. You see, when you have confidence in God, you can withstand. And we can withstand in the times of crisis when we regain right perspective. In the times of crisis, these are the times where God has to be our fortress. When I was younger, we used to play tag on the playground. And tag in itself is fun because you're all running around and going crazy. But you remember when they instituted that, that thing called base? I'm on base, you can't touch me. It was our fortress. God is to be our fortress. David says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom should I dread? Two very strong declarations that David makes about who the Lord is, who he knows the Lord to be in his life. And this isn't just anybody saying, like this isn't like, I used to get picked on a lot in school. I was a lot smaller than I am now. Uh, if, if I was uh, at the right body weight ratio, I would still be a smaller guy. David was a skilled warrior. He's a man of impressive accomplishments, especially in battles. This guy, however, never lost sight of the Lord being the strength of his life. The one who slew Goliath never stopped seeing the Lord as the strength of his life. If we don't know God as the strength of our life, it's because we're trusting something else. It's because we're trusting someone else. We trust in other things for our strength and for our protection. When, when troubled times hit, what do we turn to first? Do we turn and get on our knees before the Lord God? Or do we turn and go, well, financial tragedy struck. Let's see what's in my 401k. Let's see what's in my bank account. They're out of gas at the thing. How much gas do I have in my car? What are we trusting in? The grocery store is empty. Where's my pantry? How full is my pantry? Most find it all too easy to trust in all sorts of things. We trust in our wisdom. We trust in our own experience. We will trust in our family and our friends. And we will exhaust our own resources first. You see, David knew a strength greater than anything we could ever muster up greater than anything else that could ever be found in this world. Paul wrote of the need for this strength in this world. In Ephesians chapter six, when Paul was speaking about the spiritual warfare and how we fight against the principalities and powers of the air and the things that we can't see, he says, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Now, word vast means his inexhaustible strength. There's a point at which we get to the end of our own ropes, right? There's a point where we get to the end of ourselves, the end of what we can do. God doesn't have an end of what he can do. 
David speaks of the Lord being the stronghold of his life. As I said before, a stronghold, that speaks of the thing base. That's where you're safe. If I can just get to the stronghold, I'll be safe. It's our defense. It's the security of our life. What is the security in our life? When things like what happened in Uvalde, Texas happen, we're shaken to the core of ourselves and we start to feel unsafe because our security was in something else. Our security was in nothing bad ever happening. Our security was in nothing bad happening close to us. We all had our security rocked in 2019 when we had the same thing happen here in El Paso. When someone decided to go into Walmart and start shooting. But David, acknowledging this, he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. You see, it's the Lord, he says, who guides me in the dark times. It's the Lord who has saved my life. Who should I fear? And that question, who should I fear, is not just what person should I fear, but that's like, what should I fear? If the God has already done all that for us, what is there left to fear? So the Lord is his fortress and safety. Who should he dread? His safety, the strong defense, it's found in the Lord's strength. And in the Lord's strength, David's fear was eliminated. His fear was eliminated in the truth of God's strength and in the truth of God's love. You see, our safety is to be found in the Lord. And when we find our safety in the Lord as our fortress and our defense, it dispels our fear because perfect love casts out fear. Who or what is the strength and the safety of your life? Especially in those times of crisis, whatever it might be. The times of crisis speak of the diagnosis from the doctors. The news as you receive the phone call that there's been a terrible accident. When you get the phone call that something like what happened in Uvalde, Texas happens closer to home. What are you trusting in? Who are you trusting in? Now things like what happened in Uvalde happen because there are enemies. There are evil people in this world. There is evil in this world. But David had a great perspective when it came to his enemies. He knew his enemies would fall. David says, when evildoers came against me to devour my flesh, my foes and my enemies stumbled and fell. Why is God the strength of our life? Because he's always been the strength of our life. In the victories that we have in our life, in the times where he's protected us in life, he's been that one that's been there and our enemies will fall. It would behoove us to remember the outcome of our enemies. David describes them as evil men that they come against him to devour his flesh. He compares them to wild animals. 
And if you've ever seen wild animals go at it, shoot, you can even take domesticated animals. I have two large dogs and they've gotten into fights before, very vicious fights. They revert back to their primal animalistic instincts without any compassion. One of my dogs wants to quit the fight and the other one says, no, we're doing this forever. There's no mercy, they're cold-blooded. And David describes his enemies as that. They attacked David, but David kept their, their, in mind their end. He says, they stumbled and they fell when they come against me. David remembers, they won't have that ultimate victory. Evil men are gonna come against us. Evil people and evil in this world is gonna come against us. It's gonna oppose us. Because evil men commit evil acts, but evil men will not prevail. They will fall for one simple reason. They're evil. God opposes the evil and he comes against them. And don't be surprised when evil men and evil things come against you. Jesus told us it was gonna happen. Jesus said, if the world hates you, understand that it hated me before it hated you. And then Jesus tells his disciples, he says, remember the word that I spoke to you, that a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. Why is it? that we expect our life to be smoother, greater, better than our Lord and Savior. He came and walked this earth and the world beat him and murdered him on a cross. There is evil in this world. And we have to be like the psalmist in Psalm 73. You see the psalmist in Psalm 73, he starts off Psalm 73. He says, but as for me, my feet almost slipped. My steps nearly went astray. And he says, because I saw the wicked prospering. Because I saw them getting away with what they did. And then he goes, did I purify my heart and wash my hands in innocence for nothing? For I'm afflicted all day long and punished every morning. When, when those things happen to us and we go, and we start getting upset. God, I did all this. I gave my life to you and nothing's changed and I still have these bad things happening to me. He, he says, I almost slipped because I see the wicked prospering. I said, wait a minute. Did I make a mistake coming before God for salvation and purifying myself? He says, I'm, I gave my life to God, but I'm still afflicted all day long and I'm punished every morning. He says, when I tried to understand this, it seemed hopeless until I entered God's sanctuary. Then I understood their destiny. And he says, indeed, you, God, put them in slippery places. You make them fall into ruin. How suddenly they become a desolation. They come to an end, swept away by terrors. That is not our destiny because God is our savior. And he has saved us from judgment. He's saved us from final judgment. He's covered our sins and given us forgiveness in his name. 
we refocus our perspective to be able to withstand when we make God our confidence. And there's many different ways that we make God our confidence. David says it plainly. He says, though an army deploys against me, my heart will not be afraid. He doesn't say my heart won't be afraid because I have a whole stash of AR-15s at home. He doesn't say my heart won't be afraid because I have the best steel locks on my solid steel core door. He says, though a war breaks out against me, I will still be confident. It's quite an interesting prospect, right? Because what do we hear day in and day out? We hear wars and rumors of wars. We hear rumors of food shortages. We hear rumors of things going on in our own country. We hear rumors of things to come. Where's our confidence? If your confidence is in anything other than God, you will not withstand the troubles. You will not withstand the crisis. Because God in his ever-loving kindness, is going to show us that everything that we hold up as an idol is worthless and cannot sustain us. He will allow every single one of our idols to fail. And David, as he states that even if an army deploys against him, he's not going to fear because his confidence is God. With God, his heart has nothing to fear. He's not confident in himself. He's confident in God with his life. He says, God upholds my life, all of it. We sing a song every so often. It says, my life in your hands. The times of crisis is when we live it out. My life in your hands. We sang tonight, he gives and takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. When David went to the camp, when the Philistines were coming against the kingdom of Israel, when King Saul was still on the throne, David came to the Philistine known as Goliath, and he says, you come at me with a sword, spear, and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of armies, the God of the ranks of Israel. You have defied him. And he continues on. He says, today the Lord will hand you over to me. He didn't say, today I'm going to beat you down. He says, the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down. Remove your head and give the corpse to the Philistine camp, to the birds of the sky and the wild creatures of the earth. Then all the world will know that David is the greatest. He says, no, then all the world will know that Israel has a God. And this whole assembly will know that it is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's. Those things that you go through in life, the battle is the Lord's. You're not saved because of anything that you do, anything that you have, anything that you lack. You're not saved by any of that. You're saved by the Lord God who fights the battle. 
And David trusted the Lord even against unbeatable odds. It's said that Goliath was anywhere from seven to nine feet tall. That the spear that he carried, no, no one else could carry in one hand. We are tempted to look everywhere else for confidence. We will look to our military strength. We'll look to our technological advance. We will look to whatever we have in our fridge or wherever we have or whatever our resources are. We will look to all of that else. But it's when we trust and remain confident in God that we're able to withstand the onslaught. We're able to withstand the storms of life, the crisis that we go through, the wars that are going on around us and the wars that are going on against us. We need to regain that focus that says that God is bigger than any problem you're facing. And you can have full confidence in him. But that doesn't mean that everything will turn out the way you want it to. That's where we struggle the most because we think it should turn out the way we want it to. And we need to understand and get that refocus that it needs to turn out the way God wants it to. Because God in his wisdom has a different plan for you and I than what you and I would choose. I can honestly tell you, I would choose a completely different uh, lifestyle for myself if, if I was the one able to make all those decisions. I'd choose a different lifestyle for all of you also. A good one, okay? A good one, I promise. Here, here's the thing. Christians suffer. Christians grieve. We as Christians, we are not immune to sorrow or to sickness. Christians lose loved ones. I think every single one of us in this room here has dealt with the loss of a loved one, have dealt with the loss of something in our life. Christians are even falsely imprisoned. But God is always faithful. He will bring you through whatever it is that you face. In the long run, not even death can hurt the one who belongs to God. Death simply ushers us into the presence of our great God and Savior. We can withstand in times of crisis by refocusing our perspective. We can withstand in our every day when we dwell richly with God. And that comes from a focused daily desire. I love how David put it. Like, he just, he's a poet. I mean, that's, that's why it makes so much sense. He says, I've asked one thing from the Lord. It's what I desire to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gazing on the beauty of the Lord, seeking him in his temple. For he will conceal me in his shelter in the day of adversity. He will hide me under the cover of his tent and he will set me high on a rock. Then my head will be high above my enemies around me and I will offer sacrifices in his tent with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Times of crisis call for a change of perspective on the situation so that we can regain our perspective of who God is. 
That perspective that we have of God only comes from the everyday practice of dwelling richly with God. And David speaks volumes on how to dwell richly with God every day of our lives. The first thing that it takes, you have to have a focused daily desire for God. David says, I've asked for one thing from the Lord, and it comes from my true single greatest desire in my heart. What's David's greatest desire of his heart? To dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life. David's perspective of the Lord came from desiring the Lord. Do we desire the Lord? Do we want to dwell with the Lord? Do we want to live with him? Do we want to commune with him? Because a confident faith in God is relational at its foundation. You cannot have confident faith in God without a relationship with God. One thing David wanted, he wanted to dwell with God every day of his life. That was his daily desire. What's our single greatest desire? Is it to dwell with God every day? Do we awake each day with the thought of God on our mind, with the thought of spending time with God, with the thought of going before God, or do we simply only desire God on some days, or even worse, on only Sundays? Maybe there's other days where we're like, you know what, I'm not really desiring God today. I'm gonna go do my own thing. Like David, do we desire to dwell richly with the Lord to gaze only upon his beauty and to seek him in his temple. How do we gaze upon the beauty of God? I mean, he put it there so succinctly, such a rich description. How do we dwell richly with God? How do we gaze upon his beauty? You have to find him. Here's where you find him when you open up his word, when you get on your knees in prayer, you find him when you worship his name, when you worship him, when you fellowship with God's people. In all those things, you gaze upon the beauty of God. Fix your eyes upon him, feast upon him. Gaze intently, enjoy that sweet fellowship with your God. You see, it's that one thing that when you have it, you don't desire anything else. Because when you dwell richly with God and he's your one single desire and you pursue it, what you're gonna find is God satisfies. So you seek after nothing else. David says that when he focuses on desiring God, here's what happens. His head is lifted high above his enemies. His head is lifted in confidence daily, every day lifted in countenance. We may be going through tough times, but we've just been with our God who's bigger than anything we're going through or dealing with. And he holds our head up high. He's not having us go through this because he's down on us. 
but he's there to hold our head high, lifting us up with the joy and the praise for the Lord. David knew truth, and here's that. There's protection for those who desire and seek God every day, and when they seek him earnestly. The promise is not to prevent trouble. The promise is to provide security and stability in the midst of it. You see, he's our peace through the storm, not from the storm. Those who dwell with God daily aren't free from trouble, but neither are they shaken by it because they're able to withstand because daily they're set upon the rock. That's what David says. For he will conceal me in his shelter in the day of adversity. He will hide me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. Set upon a rock. There's something that I remember reading from a Christian minister in China. His name was Wang Mingdao. And what he said fits. You see, he spent 23 years in prison. His strong faith in God inspired millions of Chinese Christians. After a while, he was released, and a visiting minister from the United States asked him, he says, I'll probably never be put in prison like you, so how can your faith have any impact on mine? Wang replied, when you go back home, how many books do you have to read this coming month? How many letters do you need to write? How many people do you want to see? Sermons that you want to preach. You need to build yourself a cell. Says, when I was put in jail, I was devastated. I was an evangelist. I wanted to hold crusades all over China. I was an author. I wanted to write books. I was a preacher. I wanted to study my Bible and write sermons, but I had no Bible. I had no pulpit. I had no audience. I had no pen. I had no paper. I could do nothing. Nothing except get to know God. And for 20 years, that was the greatest relationship I've ever known. Wang went on to say, I was pushed into a cell, but you will have to push yourself into one. Simplify your life so you have time to know your God. Because only those who make time to know God will know God. It's our daily desire. And it comes from a heart seeking his face. David says, Lord, hear my voice when I call. Be gracious to me and answer me. My heart says this about you. Seek his face. Lord, I will seek your face. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You've been my helper. Do not leave me or abandon me, God of my salvation. Even my father and mother abandoned me. The Lord cares for me. David not only seeks God's dwelling and to gaze at God's beauty, David desires God's presence. Because it's in the presence of God, our voice is heard. He knows it's in the presence of God that his voice is heard. In fact, David says, 
in the presence of God, God speaks to his heart and his heart tells him to seek the Lord's face. And David responds and he says, I will seek the Lord's face. To seek God's face means more than just to seek to see God. In those times, to seek someone face to face was an intimate, relational thing. David's desire was for the Lord was such that he's never satisfied and never desired more and wanted to be closer and wanted to know his presence more and more. How close do we want to get to God? Are we as close as we want to be? Are we satisfied yet with how close we are to God? Did you know that you can get as close to God as you want to? David knew that, and his whole desire was to wake up every day and go, God, I just want to get closer to you. I just want to know you more. Now, as you get closer to God, just like David in verse 9 and 10, he he says, don't hide your face from me. Don't turn from your servant in anger, because the closer we get to God, the more we realize our own wickedness, our own fallenness, our own iniquities, our own imperfections. But when we know God and we get close to God, we also know that God is forgiven and God continues to forgive. He says, do not reject me or forsake me, God, my savior. He says, though my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord still receives me. Not everybody grows up in a household that's perfect. A lot of people come from broken households. A lot of people come from dysfunctional families. I grew up in a generational dysfunctional family. Our family's not broken that I have with my kids and whatnot, and it's, I wouldn't call it dysfunctional. We try our best to follow the Lord, and my kids are experiencing something that I never got to experience, something my parents never got to experience. There are some people who are walking on earth right now. There's some people in this room right now that have been rejected by their fathers. There's some people that have been rejected by their mothers. David says this thing, and it's a truth that's for us all here tonight. He says, if my father and mother both abandon me, the Lord cares for me. John Trapp translates this verse. The Lord will take me in to care for and keep. In this context, that word could almost mean the same as adopt. Though my father and mother abandoned me, the Lord will adopt me. See, the truth of this is, when even those closest to you fail you, to whom will you turn? Because God will care for you. God will take you in. There are many people that have that wound of a parent. Because from a parent, we long to have acceptance. We long to have approval. We long to be heard. We want to receive guidance. We want to have protection. Some of us never experienced that. but we don't have to continue in that. You see, God 
can fulfill all these things and so much more for each and every one of us. Including all of us who never received that from a parent. Even if our parents, the closest people in our life, the one whom we're born to as infants, completely entrusted to our parents to be good, even if they would leave us, God will still take you. He'll find a way that you and I will be sustained, nourished, and well taken care of. Because God's love is greater than even our own parents' love. It says that there is no greater love than that of a parent. No, there's no greater love than that of God. There's no indication that David himself was abandoned by his parents. If it ever happens, though, David knew that he could still survive as long as God was with him. Same is true for us. Though everyone else is against us, if we have God, we have all we need. We're standing not just in times of crisis, but in the everyday of our life. Dwelling richly with God every day and finding that necessary strength and that necessary sustenance every day in God alone. And we find we are able to withstand for a lifetime when we endure in trust. How do we endure in trust? We have to be committed to his way. Be committed to God's way. David says in verse 11, he says, because of my adversaries, show me your way, Lord, and lead me on a level path. Don't give me over to the will of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing violence. See, David lived a life. We, we know David's complete life, and we look at David's life, and we say, man, if only I could live kind of like David did. We know that he was faithful to God all through his life. Unlike his son Solomon, who we know at the end of his life found himself to be far from God, David at the end of his life was still right there with God. And that's why God called David a man after his own heart. Despite all the things that came against him in life, David could have, you, you know what, God, I'm done with you. You said, if I train up a child in the way he should go, then they will not depart. Well, have you seen Absalom? Don't you know that he rebelled against me? Don't you know he fought to take away the kingdom? Don't you know Solomon's brother sought to steal his kingdom also? What about this wife that I have from Saul, Michael? She was mad because I chose to dance for you. You see, David had things that he had to deal with. That he could have said, you know what? I faithfully served you, God. I don't deserve any of this. But he knew that he wanted to live for the Lord no matter what happened in his life. Because no matter what was going on in his life, without the Lord, it would have gotten worse. And so David sought to live life, and he didn't want to live life dictated by his enemies. That's the worst way to live. Do not let anybody else ever dictate the way you live because you're reacting to how they treat you. David didn't want to react to how they treated him. David didn't want to react to how his enemies were. David said, 
Lord, I don't want to live that way. Teach me to live your way. Show me your path. David endured his enemies through his trust in the Lord's ways. David said, show me your way. Lead me on a level path. One where I won't stumble, one where I won't slip, one where I won't fall. You see, David was committed to the Lord's way. When we follow God's ways, we are safe, we are secure, and we're under God's protection. When we leave God's path, we leave God's protection. We open ourselves needlessly to other danger. Your lifetime lived in discipleship is one that prays not to live our own way, but to constantly be shown the Lord's way. If we are disciples of Christ, we live and we pray to follow his ways. That is how you withstand for a lifetime. You want to have a lifetime legacy of faith? Endure and trust. Be like David. Say, don't give me over to the will of my foes. I know false witnesses rise up against me, but show me your way, Lord. That's what the apostle Peter said in his epistle. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, he says, conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that when they slander you as evildoers, they'll observe your good works and glorify God on the day he visits. Don't react and act like the Gentiles. Continue to walk in the good ways because even when they slander you, even when they lie about you, they will have no choice, but on the day in which God visits, they'll glorify God. David says, help me, Lord, endure in trust, committed to your way. And then the other way that you withstand for a lifetime is wait for the Lord. We need to learn how to wait on the Lord. We need to learn how to wait for the Lord. David says, I'm certain that I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart be courageous. Wait for the Lord. David says, I'm certain I'm going to see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. He says, I'm certain God will show his goodness to me while I'm alive. You know what? Doesn't matter what you're going through. Doesn't matter where you're at. God will show you his goodness right now while you are alive, while you follow his way, while you trust in him. David was certain and confident in it, and we can be certain and confident in it. And then he says, he tells them to wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart be courageous. You can be strong and your heart can be courageous. You can do things that you never thought possible because you're waiting upon the Lord, because you're trusting in the Lord. That word wait means to wait, not just idly by like I've said it before. It's not a waiting room. It's waiting as one who waits to serve another. We wait to serve the Lord. And in that, we're able to be strong and we can let our heart be courageous as God leads us, as God guides us and what God calls us to. We're waiting upon him, trusting in him. But because of human nature, 
because it's very natural for us. We already know how God can protect us, and we may have had it happen before in our life, but you and I at times suffer from doubt. We doubt God's ability. We doubt God actually coming through. Because of our own frailty, we get short-sighted and we start to put limits on God where God himself is unlimited. You see, trusting God involves great courage. I have a, a, a thing I keep in mind all the time and, and I used, it, it had a lot more meaning when I was going to, into other countries and whatnot for missions, trips and stuff. And it, but it also helps that no matter what's going on, did you know that you are invincible until the day God calls you home? You can live fearlessly for God because you're not going home one day earlier than he has declared. Live fearlessly for the Lord, knowing that if you do go home to be with the Lord, he's called you there. It's your time. It's not easy to continue to trust when things are crashing down around us when all of life as we know it is changing. You and I live in unique times. We get to watch as this whole thing that um, has built up a great security and everything other than God starts crashing down around us because we're forced to trust in God. Don't faint, don't be dismayed. Doesn't matter what happens. Just continue to put your trust and your hope in God. Don't ever allow anything to steal your hope from God. When we do that, God strengthens us. God will enable us to overcome. God will enable us to withstand. He'll help us to overcome trials, adversities, tragedies, our enemies. He'll provide the strength to endure and finish our Christian race. Isaiah 40, 31 says, Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. When we wait upon the Lord, we have the strength to withstand for a lifetime. Life comes at you fast. It throws curveballs. And then when it's not throwing curveballs, we get stuck in a rut in the daily grind. But we have to withstand in times of crisis by refocusing our perspective. We withstand in the everyday by dwelling richly with God, seeking his presence daily. And we'll withstand throughout our lifetime if we endure in trust of God, trusting his ways, trusting his care. I hope and my prayer is that tonight we would see that there is no greater love than God's love. When everyone has turned their back on you, know that God is still there. Paul wrote in Philippians 1.6, he says, I'm sure that he, God, who started a good work in you, will carry it on until completion, until the day of Christ Jesus. No matter what happens in your life, it's not because God is turning you over. It's not because God is done with you. It's because God is still working and he has promised to carry it on until 
completion, until perfection, until the day of Christ Jesus. And if you are here tonight, I don't know what it is that you're going through. I don't know what you've experienced. I don't know what the events of this week have brought up and conjured in your mind and where you're at security-wise, but I do know this. The strength to withstand comes only from God. And if life has you in a spot where you feel unstable, it's because your trust is somewhere other than God. And I want to invite you tonight, as the worship team comes up, we have one last song. I want to invite you tonight to take this opportunity to stand before your God and really evaluate, do, are you able to withstand? Are you on solid ground because he's put you on the rock? Or are you shaken because God is showing you that what you're trusting in can't hold you? If that's you, you need to come and place your faith and trust in God. You need to come and call upon Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, the one and only one that we can trust our future and our hope to. There is nothing else in this world that is worthy of our trust, of our devotion, of our love, and there's nothing else in this world that gives us the strength to withstand all that we'll go through in life. Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight, Lord, and we thank you so much for your word. Father, I thank you for the comfort that comes from your word. Not that your word or, or anything about it promises that we're gonna have easy times or good times only, but Father, that your word prepares us for those times when things like what happened on Tuesday happen. And it's not to minimize the, the hurt or the pain that anyone feels, but it's in spite of that hurt and that pain that you are still real, that you are still here. And Father, you still have your promise that we await, that you will put away all evil. Thank you, Jesus. That you will come and rescue ultimately and completely and totally all who call upon Christ's name for salvation. You promised to set everything right. And in the midst of all that, you promised that you will keep us from that day, saving us from that final judgment where all evil will be dealt with ultimately and completely. Lord, help us to seek after you daily, desiring nothing more than you, Lord. Whether we're at the beginning of our lifespan, Father, or we're in the middle of it, we're getting towards the end of it, Father, Lord, help us to whatever's left in our life, help us to live every day withstanding in our faith for you. In Jesus' name, amen.